ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. We are back, boys, for another episode of Garage Door Sports, episode 75 since the relaunch. Good for us. We're actually doing something. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing good. Didn't sleep very much, but I'm doing good. So I can't it's okay. Your, your uh, sweater it brings out the brightness in you. So Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to accent my beard today, so I, I wore an orange sweater instead. Hey, I, it, it shows, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? Good, good. I didn't realize... Kyle and I are going to wear red and orange. We just look like OKC and Atlanta Hawks all over again. But, but I hope you can tell. I hope you can tell us apart, though. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not sure how I was supposed to respond to that. Oh. I, was just, uh, I was, I was like, do I? Say something here? Oh, don't, don't, don't. That's like two weeks in a row with a bad joke. Just let me be. Oh. Okay. Huh? <laughs> well, we weren't expecting you to be here, so you weren't ready to start yet. You you have 15 more minutes before you were supposed to be here, so you're you're mentally prepared for that, right, Irfan? Yeah, I was mentally. I was gonna say I'll make one bad joke today, and I've just made it, so I won't make any more. You've ruined your bad joke streak for the rest of the yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, before we get into it, I need to rip on you guys because uh, your Patriots ended up signing Cam Newton again after you guys were both very adamant that that was a bad idea. Um, why? Why would they do that, Kyle? <laughs> Um, purely because we're not paying him that much. That's the biggest thing. You got a you got a raise. He's making eight million dollars. He got a raise. Yeah, from a million dollars. I would hope that he gets a raise <laughs> from a million dollars. Um, basically, the only reason they did that because they tried to trade for Jimmy G, but um, was not available because the 49ers don't have a backup option right now. That's pretty much the only reason. Uh, I think the Patriots will spend their first round pick on a quarterback uh, and have him uh, sit behind Cam for a year. I think they kind of understand that at this point, they are not ready to truly compete right now. Um, I think they kind of understand that right now. Yes, they're going to compete every game, but they're not going to win the division. It's just simple as that. Unless of, unless they literally sign every free agent. Or the bills implode, there, but <laughs> yeah, potentially. That, those are those yeah, are the two true. options right now. <laughs> so, like, I I was saying to Jake that I'm taking the year off. I'm stepping back. Uh, I'm not being a fan of football. So, You're, no, uh, you'll be a fan of football. You just won't be a fan of the Patriots for a year. You like football enough that you'll still watch it. I'll still watch it, but I'm gonna watch it purely from a betting perspective so i'm taking the year back i'm stepping back and i'm going to just have an overview i can't play favorites if i'm making bets so it's okay Uh, jake's jake's selling his fandom at the moment so yeah 
Yeah, my, one year your contract could, mine, mine could be available for the right price. We'll see. <laughs> well, boys, the Packers are always around. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can't do it. It's better than the Steelers. I can't do that. All I said was it's better than going to the Steelers. Or <laughs> fun. What were your thoughts on the whole thing? Um, I mean, it was kind of obvious that this offseason that a lot of people wanted to go to the Patriots, especially quarterbacks or like free agents. Like, I think New England's just going to have a hard time recruiting people for the next little bit, um, which is fine. I think that every team goes through that little dip. Uh, some teams stay in the dip for a very long time. It's evident with teams in our division, but um, I'm like. I'm not going to stop being a fan just because we're having a couple of rough seasons. That's just not part of my DNA. But at the same time, um, yeah, I might be looking to cheer on a second team just uh, just in case we we end up not doing well. But it is what it is, I guess. Like, I mean, the Pats need need a quarterback. There's no one else available. And, I mean, Cam was good in some games. It wasn't great. So maybe that'll change. Maybe another year uh, under the Bill Belichick sort of mold will be better for him. I don't know. Try to be positive. Good. Cam was good until he got COVID, and that screwed his season over. So, if if that doesn't happen, then potentially we're having a different conversation right now. So probably we'll uh, see what happens though. That's fair. I just laugh because like everyone was so adamant that the Patriots will not bring Cam Newton back. They don't want him back, and he's the first free agent quarterback to sign. <laughs> just funny. All right, let's get into our actual show now, and let's get into the kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you were looking for year-round professional development, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. For more information, visit CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, the NBA trade deadline is coming up in less than two weeks now, I believe, right? Or just over two weeks. Uh, two weeks of as of yesterday. Two weeks as of yesterday. Perfect. So just under two weeks. I was close. <laughs> and there's some big names potentially available. We're going to get into a couple of them. Um, the one I want to start with, though, is obviously the hometown team. Do the Raptors end up trading Kyle Lowry? His name has been thrown around pretty much all year. Um, Kyle, let's start with you. Do you think that would be a good move for the Raptors right now? Uh, I think with where they currently are, they're not truly contenders. So um, if the Raptors wanted to do something, I, I, I think Lowry would be the move because I think he would give you a, a pretty good return. Obviously, that contract is something that's an issue right now because it's it's so big right now and most teams can't really handle that. Uh, I would say like, as, as a Raptors fan, would I want him to go? No. As you know, as an NBA fan and somebody who wants to see him succeed, I would say yes. I would rather him go out and get a, a, a championship opportunity than just basically get the first round, potentially get knocked out in the first round. So um, I, I think that could definitely be uh, a possibility, you know, if, if they maybe take a bad contract back potentially just for a year or whatever. And maybe increase the return, I think that could be a definite option too. Fair enough. And yeah, you mentioned the $30 million contract. Like that's a, that's a big chunk of change for a team to sort of take on. Uh, Irfan, is it the smart move for the Raptors right now to do that? I'm not exactly sure in the sense that 
if they move Lowry, they're going to have to get some good package back. And I don't think anyone's going to give them what they need to help. Like, I mean, I was talking to a professor of mine and he was like, well, we need another, we need a five person. Like we need someone to play the five role. And I was like, okay, great. But there's a lot of teams that also need the five role and they're not going to give up what they have. Um, so aside, if we don't count money for a second, it's like what team's willing to give up a first round pick, probably a young player and a roster pick, because I think that's how good Kyle Lowry is. And that's not a bias. That's the fact that he has a championship ring under his belt. He's a playmaker. He just passed Chris Bosch on the all-time scoring list. He can score, he can distribute, he can do a lot of things, right? Um, at one point he was leading the team in rebounds because no one else could actually pick up a rebound. So, Which emphasizes the fact that we need a five. We do need a five, but I mean, in, in the long run, I think the Raptors are playing small. So maybe if small is the way they want to go, it, it was successful for the Rockets for part of last season. Um, and they did pretty well until they met a very good team and lost. But um, if the Raptors want to go, uh, go small, then they can just pick up a small player, maybe, maybe a free agent or a small trade or something. But I, I doubt Kyle Lowry's leaving and I don't know. Um, I don't think he wants to go. I don't think the fans want him to go and I think he'll stay. Um, it has to just be a very good return. That's going to be good for the future for the Raptors. And if it's not, then Kyle stays. And it, it sounds like the teams that are sort of interested or the potential landing spots right now are the Miami Heat, the LA Clippers, and the big one, and this is the one that Lowry would definitely take a trade to, he's already said that, is Philly to go mm-hmm. home. I don't see Philly giving up a whole lot of help to us at this point in time for in a trade, no. they might give us picks. They might give us a young player, but they won't be giving us a number five. So it's like, okay, that's not, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, but unless that pick turns into a potential star. Um, and at the same time, we have Masai Ujiri who doesn't really have his future set up with the Raptors yet. So we don't know where that's going to happen. So does he pull off a trade and leave or, you know, does he bring in assets to go? This is enough for me to stay. Like that's another big question. It'll be interesting to see. Um, there's a bunch of other names. I'm going to let you guys pick one each, and then we'll talk about them. So, Kyle, which which name really jumps out at you for the upcoming trade deadline? Um, I think the most interesting name is Chris Porzingis. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. really sure why he is available because Dallas was so set on basically him being the, like, the number two to – Doncic like, and just working something like that. I guess obviously with him struggling with injuries could be the reason behind that. But um, that name was surprising when I saw that they were they were potentially shopping him. So to to me, that's that's one where it's it's a big name, and if he's healthy, it immediately helps your team. Um, gives you either a stretch five or a stretch four, depending on where you want to play him. Most likely five, but um, you know, I, lo- I look at a team like like even the Lakers right now, right? With, with Anthony Davis being out right now, you know, if they can make the money work, that could be huge. Um, could be a huge addition and have that set two three option. Um, I don't know if the contract works, but something along those lines, maybe even Golden State. Apparently, they're being aggressive, too. Um, you know, maybe they send Wiseman back to Dallas as like a trade-off type thing. So, there, there's definitely options out there, and Porzingis is the name I'm interested to see where he goes. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting one. I was uh, I was caught off guard when I saw that first because I'm like, mm-hmm. they he just got healthy at one point, and then like two weeks later, it was oh his name's on the block. And I was like, what? Like yeah, give him two healthy. weeks. <laughs> I know, but you only give him two weeks. Like, I figured you'd try that experiment out for at least a month before putting him on the block. Irfan, <laughs> uh, so- name that jumped out for you. Um. I'm actually just not particularly a name, but like teams at the bottom of the league, like we keep hear, hearing the Cavs or the Pistons or um, the Hawks, for example. Like, I'm just curious to see if those those teams struggling are going to, you know, blow the team up a little bit more and just be like, here, take a, a piece of our, I don't know, take this player, um, give us a pick here or give us a roster player, give us a bad contract and we'll, and we'll take something off of you sort of thing. And see the, like, I'm just curious to see if they do that. Like, for example, that Cavs story with um, Andre Drummond um, or the Cavs moving in a couple of other pieces. And it's like, well, are you guys going to have a roster by the end of the season? Like that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or uh, uh, that too. And at the same time you have, you know, the, the Pistons losing Blake Griffin through mutual um, parting ways, but, are they going to move any other player on that roster for, for something or, or just to be like, Hey, you know what? We're not going to win anything this year. So let's just blow it up a little bit more. Or, you know, does that mean opportunistic teams like the Suns, or uh, we said this before, but the trailblazers or the jazz, are they going to go out and get these players that are, you know, not really playing well for their, their current squad, but could make a, a bench impact. So that's something I'm looking at this year. Yeah, that'll be definitely interesting. Um, you mentioned teams at the bottom. What about Houston? There's a bunch of names getting thrown around yeah. as potential trade options from Houston. PJ Tucker being one. And Oladipo, who was just acquired by Houston this season to be the replacement for Harden. Yeah. And I don't think we ever expected him to be the same level as Harden, but they're already to move on from him, Kyle. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I, I think they almost realized it was probably a mistake to, to flip him for Levert. Um, I think Levert, as I said, when it happened, it doesn't make sense contract-wise. Like It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense because Levert was signed for, I think, three or four more years and Oladipo's a free agent after the season and he's going to demand big money that I don't know if he wants to resign in Houston. So, That's fair. Um, I'm kind of surprised that he is available, but at the same time, I'm not because I think Houston wants to capitalize on assets. And I think, you know, if they trade him at the deadline, they could probably get a half decent amount return because uh, he's, he's not on a terrible contract. He, he's a young player and any team that acquires him has first chance to resign him. So um, mm-hmm. I think what Houston is thinking is they have no chance of resigning him. Let's trade him and see what we can get. And, and rebuild from there. So, Fair. Uh, like, I, I'm surprised he's available, but, but I'm not surprised at the same time. Okay. And you know what? Houston is also the definition of free fall right now. Mm-hmm. At one point, they were 11 and 10. Yeah. They currently sit at 11 and 25. They've lost 15 straight games. They are sellers, definitely, at this deadline if people come a-knocking. Like, I mentioned the other name, P.J. Tucker. Tucker is – a lot of teams are looking yep. at him. He will be an interesting piece to see mm-hmm. where he ends up as well. He'd be a cheaper off option if people can't get Lowry, for example. He'd be someone who can play the court, 
play defense, yeah. get you some points, get you some dimes. Um, he can, he can literally play four positions. Like, you so. can, yeah. So and if you can't get Larry actually, any cheaper, he could realistically play five depending on what what system you're running. True. Yeah. Right? Like so if you're like, going small ball, because he was the center in Houston last year. Yeah, no, I know. I meant more like he's not really a point guard type thing. Like, but he can he but he can handle the ball. Like it's not like it would be yeah. out of the question for him to run the point if you're desperate, yeah. right? But, but I mean, I mean like, he did run the point I mean, for like, the Raptors for a little bit. But I mean, like guarding a point guard is a whole different story compared to actually running the point. So. He's he's one of the few players that I think probably could still do it. It would yeah. be mm-hmm. it would be a, it wouldn't be his comfort zone for sure, but he probably could still mm-hmm. do it. Um, I think. Oh, okay. sorry. No, I was just say I think I think based on the Houston players available, like Oladipo, Tucker, um, I know Cousins. Just uh, I think they mutually part ways as well. Like those are three guys that can play defense and score some big time points. So if you're a playoff team, you have three names that could probably come well, into your roster and bring a. Lamarcus Aldridge as well, yeah, and I think Aldridge has been linked to the Warriors, so we'll see if they need another big man. But um, again, these are players that can play defense and can score. So if you're a playoff team that can't get defense half the time, like past you know Houston teams, this is a change for you. Yeah, like PJ Tucker is like equivalent of NHL. He's the second, third line guy who's. You know, can chip in scoring, but veteran presence, like grinding, that kind of stuff. Like that's what PJ Tucker is. Like he's not a yeah. superstar, no. But he's a guy you can put. He's a guy you can put in your lineup or have off your bench, and will immediately bring some sort of impact to the game. So, yeah. so PJ Tucker to me it would be like probably like the number one guy I would go after the deadline if if you need somebody. I don't know, you know, not necessarily. Uh, superstar by any means, like like if all the deep you need you need a depth team, piece who can play all over and eat minutes if needed. That's exactly. PJ Tucker. That's yeah. PJ Tucker to a T. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested. Like, there's there's so many possibilities this year because there's a lot of teams that are out of it or not necessarily contending. That there's a lot more players available this uh, as of this year. So, um. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm looking forward to it. two weeks away, and, and all the rumors keep firing up. And this is the time of year that I love because all the rumors are just flying. So, well, it's also great because the NFL offseason's going on right now. The NBA trade deadline's coming up. The NHL trade deadline's coming up a couple weeks after that. There's just so much talk, so many rumors going around all at the same time. And we also get March Madness starting in a week too. Like, let's not forget that. This is all. This is just a great, great time to be. Um, The other one last name before we go that might be on the market, but might not be on the market is Zach Levine because the bulls aren't sure whether or not they're going to be able to re-sign him. They're not even sure if he wants to re-sign. There was a whole issue in the off season regarding that. If Zach Levine is available and you have the cap space, you're going after him, right? Like the way he's playing right now. To me, if I like, if I, if I'm like a guy, like, I don't know if a contender would pick him up, purely because one, uh, maybe like a low, low playoff team, potential playoff bubble, yeah. team, right? Like, like that's I, that's the target. Like to me, I look at like the Hawks, right? To to <laughs> me, you you bring him, you put him with Trey Young, you have Clint Capella there, those three together, then the Hawks are a dangerous team. You're talking about them contending a little bit more comparatively. Um, Maybe the Pacers potentially get, get a different uh, a different name in there. 
Um, have him play with Levert when they come when he comes back. What about a Knicks team? What about today. the Knicks? Knicks, I could see it. Um, at that point, I think it depends on what you have to give up. That's, yeah, Knicks, no, for right? sure. Yeah, because the Knicks are up and coming. They're, they're right now they're sixth, I think, in the in the East. Mm-hmm. So seven, um, seven. Seven. As of okay. as of recording, they're seven. So, to me, I think it depends on what you have to give up, right? Like right now, the face of the franchise for the Knicks is Julius Randle. That's just straight up. He's had a a, god, a godly year, and I think R.J. Barrett's right behind him. R.J. Barrett has has definitely progressed since first year. So. Um, you know, what, what does it take to acquire Levine? I think is the biggest key there. So, um, you know, for, as a Hawks, like Atlanta Hawks, I don't think, you know, acquisition is, is that out of control, right? Because they have pieces on their team that are currently playing, but you could definitely switch out, right? John Collins is apparently one of those team names that yeah. Um, yeah. people have talked about moving. Uh, you know, you have a couple extra guards. You may, maybe include Chris Dunn potentially going back the other way, or or, yeah. or Bogdanovich potentially, who who really has struggled with injuries this year. Um, there's a ton of different options that they have that I I think intrigues. It would it would intrigue me as the Bulls. So. There, no, I agree with you. I think I think it'll be very interesting to see if he does move. Um. Any final thoughts, Irfan, on the deadline before we move on? Mm, no, not really. I think <laughs> okay. no. I'm just saying no. I mean, I think we we, we pretty much covered it. I mean, there's a lot of teams that can be sellers, uh, and a lot of mid-range teams are going to probably bite on it because um, there's a lot. There's a massive gap separating the top three in each conference from everyone else. So it's like, how are we going to see? Are we going to see teams try and close that gap, or are we going to just see the same six teams, for example? on either side just really dominate yeah it, it'll be interesting for sure and i think as most years the west is probably a little bit deeper than the east right now but mm-hmm. it's fine <laughs> all right it's normal yeah it's yeah. normal that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by canada kicking academy if you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition you need to train with the canada kicking academy visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on instagram at canada kicking academy we're going to take a quick break, but before and before we come back to talk a little MLB and NHL, here is our Fantasy Beasts and Where to Find Them segment with Jordan McDonald. Hi, guys. Welcome back to an edition of Fantasy Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm Jordan McDonald. It's been a while since I've done one of these hits, but uh, you know what? Let's get right back into it. Today, I have three players for you guys. The first one is Kasperi Kapton, former Leaf. He is 37% owned on ESPN and 30% owned on Yahoo. He plays on the second line with Evgeny Malkin, and he plays on their second power play unit. He's arguably the best player on that unit. I don't know how often that he gets deployed out there, but it's a good chance if one of the other people in the PP1 goes down, he gets slotted up. His last five games, he has four goals and three assists. And for the season, he's a plus 12, which is pretty good. If you need a good offensive forward, he should be your guy. The second player on my list is Adam Boakvist. I want to give a shout out to my co-host on the Bets and Bites podcast and the producer of the Betting House podcast on the Garage Door Sport Network, Jake Bull Moss, for this one. In Bofus's last game, he had two assists. And not only were they assists, they were power play assists, which are even more valuable. You know, he's quietly becoming the Chicago Blackhawks' best defenseman and plays in the PP1. It's pretty valuable considering he's only 13% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. 
He's most likely available in your league, except if you play with me because I own him in every league I play. Get on it now before it's still a secret. Now, the last player on my list is Antiranta. Now, if you don't really follow the Arizona Coyotes, their top goaltender Darcy Kemper is out week to week with an injury, so that means Antiranta is their guy. His current stats don't jump off the page. He has a 339 goals against average, but he does have a 912 save percentage, which isn't too bad. He's 19% owned on ESPN. He's 28% owned on Yahoo. So still available in the majority of leagues. If you're in need of goalie stats or if you need goalie starts, Antiranta could be your guy. This has been Fancy Beast and where to find them. And now back to regular programming. That was Jordan McDonald with the Fantasy Beasts and Where to Find Them segment. Make sure you listen to him because he actually knows what he's talking about. He was the one who told me to pick up Nick Ritchie and he was great at one point. <laughs> still playing well. He's still playing well. I'm, I'm not getting rid of him. Let's put it that way. But yeah, it's good call on his part. Let's move on, boys. It is spring training time because, you know, it's almost spring, I guess. Kind of. <laughs> so, spring weather outside. It felt like spring this week up until the wind started blowing. Holy moly. It was ridiculous. But the Jays are down in Florida. And that means as Toronto sports media, we have to uh, ooh and ah over everything that happened. No, I'm kidding. We're going we're gonna to rip them when we get the chance. But <laughs> this roster is different from the ones the last few years going into spring training. We know a lot more about these players, and they brought in some other big names that we haven't had in the Toronto system in a while outside of maybe Hanjin Ryu. It's nice to see. It is nice to see this kind of thing going together. And you look at the potential lineups that might that they might roll out during the season, whether it be the normal everyday lineup or the one that they have to fill in because people need rest days. There's a lot of flexibility in this lineup too. And we, we can go through it right now. It looks like they're going to have Springer, Simeon, Bichette, Teoscar, Blatty, Guriel. I'm running out of name. Biggio and then Jansen. Am I missing? Oh, and Rowdy. Yeah. That sounds like the everyday roster. Mm-hmm. You also have Alejandro Kirk on the bench. Because let's be honest, he will earn a bench spot this year after what he did last year. I know that might end up being the starter at that point. He might end up being the starter, but at, at the very least, he will be a bench player. 100%. Randall Grichuk, who may be a starter depending on who they want in the outfield, and they move, might move one of the outfielders to DH. And that means there's just a whole lot of moving parts on this team, let's be honest. Absolutely. There's just so much that's positive on that. If you take that lineup, Kyle, how many other teams can compete with that one through nine? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing for them comes down to pitching. That, that's the biggest thing. for the And we'll get into that. I was just and, more focused on the lineup right now. No, no, 100%. And honestly, and we had this debate, I think, about a month ago or something like that, where it's really the only team that can kind of match them right now is the Yankees. And that's if the Yankees lineup stays healthy. So, in the AO, I mean, the Dodgers in, lineup is Dodgers, Dodgers, Padres, you could argue as well. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that aspect, but in the AL, it, it comes down to, you know, the, the Yankees and can they stay healthy? And the, the, obviously, the fun fact is they're obviously in the same division. So that kind of plays an interesting role as to, and it's going to make some for some very interesting games. It's oh, yeah. potentially, potentially very high scoring games as well, which you don't always see, see in the MLB. Um, so to me, 
I think their offense has to carry them. And, and I think there's definitely a possibility that they do. I, there's huge potential on this team and they're still young. That's the biggest thing. It, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. And I, I'm honestly excited for the first time in probably two or three years for the Jays to actually play baseball. Yeah. Since the last time they went on a couple, like the back-to-back playoff str- runs, that was the last time we were legitimately excited going into a season. Yeah. Um, Irfan, you look at that lineup. You got to like it, right? You have to. I mean, on paper, it's probably the best lineup we've seen since our back-to-back playoff ex- uh, experiences and, and, and performances there. But yeah, on paper, it looks great. And, and the fact that I was reading something the other day, and they've, I think the Jays have spent the most money this offseason, obviously with the Springer contract being the biggest one. But like you, you look at, you know, bringing Robbie Ray back for $8 million, you look at Kirby Yates, uh, Chatwood, Phelps, Phelps. Uh, Marcus Simeon. So they've they've spent money on some good players. They've spent the most money, which is something you don't really say for a Toronto team um, in baseball for a very long time. I mean, yeah, well, I feel like the team in anything other than hockey in hockey. Well, yeah, but I mean, you also but like I think the last five years, though, Toronto teams have, have realized that you're going to have to spend a little bit of money to to really get a player to come in like. Um, but on paper, I think the offense looks great. Now, if we talk about pitching, that might be our biggest Achilles heel. But there's still so much excitement that I think we can out hit a team. And I think this has become a Toronto motto or something where we're just outscore you because we can't play defense or we can't <laughs> we can't pitch. But we'll 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 take you to 10, 10, 10 runs a game or or in the Leafs case, we'll take you to six goals at night. Um so I think it might be a Toronto motto where we're gonna outscore you and that's the goal. So <laughs> that's fair. and yeah. uh the one thing I also want to add is that during spring training, the position players that probably aren't going to make the team have also been playing pretty well. Logan Warmoth has the highest average on the team. Uh, Jonathan Davis, who actually probably will make it as a bench player. He's batting 385 right now. Benching well. Playing great. Mm-hmm. Even get like these young guys, like Kevin Smith is doing well. Um, Cullen Large is doing great right now. Like that's encouraging is that not only are the MLB players, who are most likely going to make the team playing well, the young guys are playing well. I know it's spring training and you have to take that with a grain of salt because the pitchers aren't a hundred percent. Like it's not mid season form, Yeah, but the players aren't either. They're coming trying to, they haven't, some of these guys, especially the guys who didn't play last year, haven't seen live pitching in over a year. Yeah, Right. They haven't seen line pitching. So the fact that these guys are coming in, they're young, trying to figure out their way. And they're doing this is that's a very, very positive thing. Let's flip to the pitching because you guys both mentioned it. It's probably the Achilles heel. And with Nate Pearson being hurt right now, it's going to be a question about who will be the starting five at the beginning of the year. It looks like Ross Stripling has actually earned himself a roster spot and probably will earn a starting role to start the season. Yeah. Kyle, let's focus on starting pitching first. Yeah. Who do you think is the biggest question mark right now outside of Pearson because he's hurt? Um, question mark as in them actually making it or, or, or their outlook on the season. Type outlook on the season, I guess it should be the better one. I would say Tanner Rourke. Um, I think I think he's the biggest question mark for me. 
I was going to say potentially Steven Matz, but honestly, I'm not really worried about Steven Matz. I think he actually has a very good shot to, to probably be the four guy right now. Well, people um, were talking about him being potentially a three and push Robbie Ray for two, mm-hmm. the way he was pitching at one point. I was like, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, to be honest, he got his velocity back. That's the biggest yeah. thing. He's, he's been hitting 94, 95 on the radar. When, when he was at the Mets, he was down more like 91, 92. So yeah. he, he's definitely got some velocity back, which I think is helping because he, his biggest thing was consistency. And obviously, if you're not consistent with a 91-mile-an-hour fastball, it doesn't bode well for you. So, no. uh, you know, if you're not consistent with a 94, 95-mile-an-hour fastball, you can kind of get away with a few more things. Um, so, yeah, but going back, to me, work is the biggest thing. Um, obviously, did not have a great year last year got eventually kind of pushed out of the rotation, got more into like a long relief type guy or, or a sixth guy. Um, and this off there were this spring training, he's actually looked really good. His commands back. He, he was very wild last year. Um, obviously he's not a guy who's going to overwhelm him with velocity. So, so, you know, that, that's key for him. And, and if he can turn it around and be a five starter and be, you know, I'm not saying he's going to have a sub three ERA, but you know, 3.5 to four ERA as a five starter, I would take that. And I think he's the one to look out for and and they're probably going to give him a chance, especially with Pearson being injured. So we'll, we'll see about that one. Uh, Irfan, same question to you, man. Uh, Pitcher that you're looking for. Uh, I'm looking at Robbie Ray. I know when he came in last year, I was like, oh, this is good. You know, he pitched well for the, the Diamondbacks. This is good. But, like, you look at his stats from last year, he was, what, 2-5, and five, um, ERA over 6.5. I mean, I would hope that he has a bounce back here, especially as a lefty, right? Like, we don't have, like, aside for Ryu, we don't really have a, a classy lefty. So, um, I know I want to see a bounce back here from him. He got a deal from the Jays for $8 million. I mentioned it earlier, but... Um, I want to see how he pitches. I mean, I think he's in the same boat as Roark where if he can command his fastball, command his pitches um, and really get players to, to, to chase him or, or, or just force the, the batters to make a mistake. Um, I think I would take him at a number three or number four spot any day as well. Um, um, and obviously Roark being another, another name thrown out there because, you know, he was signed to a good deal. Didn't really live up to last year and pitched well the other night. So um those are two pitchers that if they can really turn it around, I think the Jays, um, at least the bottom of the rotation, will be strong before Pearson comes back and, and comes slotting in somewhere else. Yeah, fair enough. And and we know that when Pearson comes back, he'll come in. The big question is how do they utilize Pearson throughout the season? Because there is a concern. This guy's never pitched a full 162-game season. He never got the chance to in the minors before making his major league debut and then Last year was obviously a shortened season, which he got hurt in and didn't finish. Is this going to be a potential, yeah, we're going to rest him a couple extra days player, like give him an extra day off sort of thing every once in a while throughout the season where you'll get to see guys like Stripling jump in or Mm -hmm. potentially, depending on how he pitches, Rourke would be the other guy that I think drops out of the five and goes into a long relief role with the potential to start. Like Mm -hmm. that's probably where we're going, right, Kyle? Yeah, um, I would probably say so. The only, the biggest thing for me is I don't, I don't understand how they're going to do the rotation because they have three lefties right now. 
So that's mm-hmm. a lot of lefties, especially with a right-handed killer lineup. Like as we were saying, the the, the Yankees, right? So yeah, the big bad Bronx Bombers. They kill lefties. So um, I'm interested to see how they do that. Obviously, when Pearson comes back, it's a, it kind of changes everything. But I think that when they do bring Pearson back, um, they will do something like you said. I think it'll be a, like a six-man rotation type thing. I think that's really how they're going to work it. Yeah. Um, I think they have to work it like that, to be honest. So um, biggest thing, you know, Anthony Kay potentially was going to be something like that, but it seems to be he's now strictly bullpen. Um Trent Thornton, same thing. Yeah, and and, and Stripling, Stripling is the enigma for me. If yeah, I'm being, if I'm being honest, and it's one of those. He has the potential to be a starter, has and he's looked good. He's in the past. very good spring training. Let's let's make that very clear. He's looked very good this year, and, and you know he's done it in the past when he's with the Dodgers, but he's also that fringe guy who like. You know, I don't mind him looking in the bullpen. Like, if I'm being honest, like he's like, it's it's he's like a piece where yes, he can be in the rotation, but like I would almost rather him as a swing guy potentially, which is not really saying. Like, <laughs> that's me, not really that's not really a slight though. Like, hey, we really like you here, but you know what? Like, you you, you might be even better over here. Like, <laughs> like to me, I, I'd rather have Stripling as a swing guy than Tanner Rourke, in my opinion. No, so, and that's fine. It was just – it's just something that I was saying, depending on – No, 100%. Right? 100%. And it's, it's kind of – I honestly, I think it comes down to fit. I don't know if it's necessarily um, who's the better starter at this point. I think it's a fit, right? So, it's one of those – if strip, if they like stripling better as, as that guy where, you know, you know, work hasn't looked great for two innings, let's bring stripling in and pitch four or five innings, then I think that makes a little bit more sense compared to, you know – Stripling hasn't looked good for two innings. Let's bring in Tanner Rourke for four innings. See, see if he gets lit up. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's it's at that have, point. That's when you bring Trent Thornton in. <laughs> yeah. and, and you don't like, even go have, to Rourke. The, the big the biggest thing I got. Obviously, we're not talking about it at this second, but their bullpen is a lot more stacked than it was let's, last year. Let's let's transition. So, go for it, Kyle. Make the transition uh, to the bullpen. Biggest thing, obviously, bringing in Kirby Yates is huge for the back end of that bullpen. Yes. Um, I honestly don't know who the closer is going to be um i would assume it's yates but at the same I, point i also think they're going to give dolice a chance to actually be the closer because he was lights out last year towards the end of the year what about romano too yeah. like they, you have three guys realistically yeah. who could go in and close a game which is a blessing i, I think i think romano's third on the list right now i don't think he was really going to get a huge well, shot. he had he had the starting or he had the closing role before he got hurt last year. Let's not forget that. Like, he was the guy that they wanted to close games. He had the role when um, when Giles went down, yeah. And then basically Dolis over the year took over because of how dominant he was last year. Well, no, it was because Romano got hurt. Romano went down. Well, no, I know. But I'm saying even if Romano was there, I still think Dolis would have taken another closer role. Okay, fair enough. Um because obviously Romano went on that huge run where he just didn't give up an, uh, didn't give up a run or didn't give up a hit or whatever it may have ended up being. Yeah. Can he do that again this year? I don't think so. But um, not to knock the guy, but I, I just think there's two better options comparatively. I'm not, I'm so, not arguing. I'm just saying like he did have it at one point. So yeah. And, and, and the other thing that, you know, we weren't even talking about too, we were talking about the swing guy, Tyler Chatwood's there as well. Which which is the swing guy too. So 
you know, I'm not a huge fan of AJ Cole, by the way. I'm not a huge fan. Okay. He kind of blew one of the playoff games. We're not going to talk about that one. But um, deep breaths, Cal. Deep breaths. It's over. <laughs> but honestly, bringing bringing it back, David Phelps. Uh, you obviously yeah. didn't pitch a whole lot for us before we shipped him to Chicago, but uh, <clears throat> still a good Ryan, arm. Hundred percent. And then Ryan Baraki getting healthy. That's the biggest key for me. Yeah. Right. Um, the other one they don't have listed on the on the major roster right now is Tim Miza. Uh, yeah. Right. So so to me, having those two lefties is huge. I I don't know if Travis Bergen's going to make the roster. I you know I don't know about that one. I think Miza has the inside track comparatively but yeah. um the biggest key is having two lefties in that bullpen because everything's right hand dominated but <clears throat> you need to have those lefties there too so i want to see there's so much intrigue to this bullpen um especially obviously with as i said before adding that yates in the back to be a proven commodity um is huge too so yeah. we'll see what happens yeah Irfan, jump in man no, I'm listening. I mean, I know you are. I'm just saying, jump in. This is your turn now. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I think Kyle's right. Like for once, our bullpen, you can have guys set in stone for six, seven, eight, nine. Right. That that's something that if you go back to the Royals when they were dominant, that's what we could have said for them when they won the World Series. Is they had solid guys for six, seven, eight, and nine, and it you knew they were coming out. You knew they were going to be lights out. And I think if if, if the Jays bullpen stays healthy, this is what we're looking at for the future. Is Tell your starter, if you can get to five, we have four guys for sure and more that can do the next four innings. So just get to five. This isn't the, I think this might be the first year that the starters don't have to be forced to go to six innings or seven innings, or that's what you want them to. Obviously, everyone wants them to go that much. So your bullpen doesn't get, um, you know, burnt out, but right. But, but this could probably be the first time in a while where you can be like, if you guys go six innings or five innings, we have guys that actually do well. So guys like Tanner Roark that go five innings or less, you can be like, this is fine. Cause we actually have guys that can pick it up for you. Uh, you mentioned Chatwood, you mentioned if striplings in, in the bullpen, that could be great. I mean, um, Trent Thornton's there. Um, you look at who else did we go? Like, there's so many guys. Julian May- Merriweather can come in as well. Merriweather and, uh, too. We haven't talked. Yeah, about like him. he he can come in, throw throw some guns through through, and 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 really give you that relief. So, um, maybe the starters don't have to take so much of the pressure this year, and and just at least try and see if we can get the bullpen going. But uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing is we have a good bullpen. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be very interesting to see who makes the bullpen. Like Kyle, you mentioned, there's so much depth that not everyone's going to be able to make it right now. On fan graphs, they only have three bench players for the Jays, and everyone else is in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of arms, and I'm not saying well, it's, it's a bad thing, but if they're traveling, I think that's fine. But I mean, eventually, when your outfield gets tired or your infield gets tired, then you're going to have to do a little take one guy to the bullpen and, and bring up a bench player. Yeah, like right now they have a backup catcher, a backup infielder, and Joe Panic who can play everywhere. So, and I know there's a lot of flexibility with BGO who can move all over. Simeon can move a few places, right? Like, uh, Guriel also can play infield positions as well. Like, there's flexibility, but only three guys is very, very questionable to me. Question for you guys. Uh oh. Um, do you think that instead of Joe Panic, for example, starting with the Jays this season, we're going to see Groshans or the, yeah. any of the young young players come in or maybe pick up or have Espinal instead of Panic start with the team or 
anything like that? First off, I don't think Joe Panic makes the team. Yeah, I'm just I was he was listed on Fangraphs. That's the only reason I said it. Yeah, yeah. To be to be honest, it's it's Espinosa to lose, especially the way he played last year. Yeah, um, he's just too versatile and can play too many positions. Joe Panic can realistically play two, three. Second, the infield short. I think he can he play. Can, all he can not play short. Just saying. defensively, he he's yeah. not the worst. We've we've had much we've had much worse. I don't think you can have confidence saying, "Well, he's not terrible." Okay, but Kyle, we've had way worse. Throw to first base, you know, once every ten throws. Okay, it's not that bad. Well, you know, Bobuchet's like seven out of ten, so you know, gotta go down from there. Listen, he's listed as a shortstop, so (laughs) no chance. He should be listed as second base. uh, He should be second base. He's listed as shortstop, Kyle. Okay, well, that's just fucked up. <laughs> anyway, sorry. In some, so he's in some places, he's listed as shortstop. MLB.com, he's listed as a second baseman. Mm-hmm. Kyle's looking it up now. No, either way, I don't <laughs> think he makes the team. But that's, that's just me. So okay, fair enough. Yeah, more so. More so, we're gonna see more younger guys get get a chance this year, especially with I think, the transition. I think the one person you could realistically see is Austin Martin. Um, I think, especially. Uh, with how everything's gone, I can definitely see him being a potential. Uh, and he also other, fits that versatility. 100%, bowl. right? And and the biggest thing with him exactly. is he can play outfield too. Yeah, that's he's, he's like thing. Guriel and Bichette. They can play all infield and outfield. Oh, I was going to say, don't ignore Guriel. Do not put him at shortstop again. I didn't say short. I said infield. I did not specify I, short. <laughs> It doesn't matter that when he throws the ball, it's going into the right field bleachers. So it doesn't really matter up at that point. So, but you know, it's extra points if you do that. Is it his bonus points? Yeah, it's bonus in, in points. junior ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the people I played with apparently like bonus points. Um, Not me. I like to. I like to make you dig the ball out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he liked the dirt balls. I, um, I one bounced it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, I, I would like to see uh, more young players get, get involved. Obviously, the more experience they get, the easier it is to transition. Uh, a guy like Warmouth is interesting to me. I don't think he'll end up making the team, especially with Simeon there, too, because Simeon yeah. takes up another roster spot. Um, but if there's an injury, he's probably the first one coming up. Like an injury on the infield, and if depending if Martin's there, right? Yeah, fair. Because, um, like, right now, they have Panic listed as a bench guy. I, I'm not sold on that. But yes, we've already talked about that. I already said that. No, I know. And then I'm just trying to think of who this else. This just bothers him a lot. It just really bugs him, okay? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of who else is on the 40-man that would be available to be actually brought up. Uh, Valeria. Valera? Brevik Valera? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I honestly, I don't know if I would take him over Panic or something. Well, he just. I'm just saying. You you asked yeah. who uh, well, things. No, no. I'm just, I'm just going through the list right now, and honestly, that's you know, Otto Lopez is on the on there as well, but I don't think he's ready. He's too young. No, he. He's, um, another young guy potentially. You know, if, if Jonathan Davis doesn't work out this year, look at Josh Palacios. Yeah. Um, potentially becoming a, a bench bat yeah. for the outfield. So, and a left-handed bat too, right? Exactly. So yeah. uh, keep an eye out on him potentially with getting some at-bats this year. And the one that we haven't talked about is a pitcher, Alex Manoa. 
has looked lights out so far in spring training. I know he still hasn't had like a full season of pro ball under his belt, but man, he looks legit. Don't be surprised if there's some injuries in the middle to end of the bullpen. If they bring him up to be a bullpen arm, I know he wants to be a starter and I have no problem with that, but if he wants to get to the MLB, he's probably going to have to start in the bullpen anyway. So. Yeah. But he's not on the 40 man, is he? No, he's not. He's not. So that but I'm just saying he, he he could potentially find a way onto the 40 man and onto the MLB roster, maybe especially yeah, for sure. September call ups and stuff like that. So yep. he's a name to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna take another quick break. We'll come back with a little NHL talk right after this. Hey guys, I'm Gabe Ferraro. And I'm Logan Lockhart from Between the Uprights on the Garage Door Sports Network. We cover everything football from NFL, CFL, and all off-season storylines. We make our weekly picks during the season and cover every headline in the off-season. Check us out on the shows tab at garagedoorsports.com for our weekly episodes. NHL is in full swing, boys. We're pretty much halfway through the year, and there's a couple news and notes that we want to hit. Let's start off with last weekend. Uh, Tom Wilson suspended seven games for his hit to the head slash boarding because they changed it after the call. It was initially called hit to the head on the ice, which is Mm -hmm. at that speed. I have no problem with them saying that because it did look like it. Afterwards, they corrected it, which is what you're supposed to do as NHL player safety to a boarding call. Seven games. He is a repeat offender. It's his fifth suspension since the 2017 season started. Um, Kyle, I know you know him. Uh, met him a couple times. Do you think it was the right length? No. Um, am I surprised by it? No. <laughs> is it the right length? No. Is it kind of trash that there was, they switched what it actually was? That's what they're supposed to do. No, but but basically what they did was they, they they found a way to suspend him without actually having a legitimate reason to suspend him. So, um, mm. like like yes, it was a bad hit. I'm not going to deny that 100. percent If you okay, if he but, wasn't, but, but they were reaching. They're like, well, it's not a hit to the. It's not you know a bad hit that way, but it's boarding at the same time. But it's not. But it's not a hit to the head. But it's not. It's like. They were grasping at straws trying to find a, a reason to suspend him is what they were trying to do. And and I'm not denying it's a bad hit, but at the same point, like, it looks bad that they changed the rule midway of why they were suspending. Well, no, but the problem is that they changed the rule because on the ice, they called it a hit to the head, right? Which is the refs on the ice called it that. So the NHL player safety came out and made the right call and said, listen, it wasn't techni- it wasn't actually a hit to the head. It was still a dirty play. It still was a suspendable play. And if it wasn't, hold on, if it wasn't Tom Wilson, right, Kyle? Yes. Do you think a player would still get a game suspension for that? Probably not. You think it would have just been a fine? Probably. Okay. Maybe a game. And That's what I'm saying. It would probably, one game I thought most. it would still be at least a game. Yes. Or, uh, it would be a game. But a game is literally a slap on the wrist. I know. Saying, but the problem hey, is no, 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 no. We don't like you doing that. Don't do that. Don't do I, that. And I understand that. The problem is, is because it's his fifth suspension in three seasons. That's why he got seven. Still way too excessive. Maybe 
if that's the case, maybe three, maybe four. Seven is equivalent of an eighth of the season. Seven is a, is ten games in a normal year. Yes, which is that was not a ten game suspension hit. I don't. But it's it's the it's the reoccurrence, right? So, that's fine, but but at the same like, so you're doubling suspensions now because of a reoccurrence. Well, it's half of what his last suspension was. Yeah, that was a that, that was a whole different play. That's not even close <laughs> comparatively. I'm just saying, but I'm just saying. it's just one of those like to me, it was it was overblown. It was it deserving of a suspension? Yes, I will say that. Yes. Okay. Did I think it was going to get a suspension? Hundred percent. Was it worth of that many games? No, it was not. And I I think a lot of people are on that train. Irfan, what are your thoughts on that one? I think the biggest reason why he was suspended was because Brandon, uh, Brandon Car- Carlo. Oh my God, Brandon Carlo oh, you blew it. You blew it. I, uh, <laughs> he went to the hospital, right? Like he stayed down for a while. It looked it looked like it impacted him significantly, and I think the NHL took a massive reasoning from that, saying, "Well, like you injured the player, he went to the hospital. He's probably not going to play for a while because protocols." Um, so if he's out for let's say six games, we're gonna probably do the same thing for you because I don't think it's. I think that's. I think that's why their decision came in. There was no penalty on the play. Um, he was not penalized. He wasn't. No. Nope. The only reason he was penalized is because he fought the guy. Yeah, when Trent, Trent, uh, Frederick, and and then Tenorti went after him. That's what they got. Oh, the Captain penalty. fight a lot. Trent Frederick. Yeah. Okay, so Irvin, with you saying that, right? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think an injury should increase the suspension? I mean, it, it depends on the the length of like what the injury is. If he's like you know broke my arm on a head hit, but it's like that has nothing to do with the play. But if the guy is down and he's not going to play, um, I'm on the fence with it. Like, I mean, it, it really goes situation by situation. Like Brandon Carlo for us, like for Boston, for example, is a top four defenseman. So if you lose a player like that. Um, it's hard to replace him. So I guess that's uh, it, on any team. But if you lose a guy who's like a fringe player and whatnot, it's like okay, well, unfortunately, that's how that that's how the mindset is. If you if you lose a top player, then yeah, they're gonna get a lot of traction for it. And if it's a player that's on the fringe of your roster or the bottom six or bottom nine of your team, then probably you're not talking about this, or you're not not talking about a seven game suspension, maybe a two to three game suspension, but not a seven game suspension. I think that is an excessive amount. Um, I saw the hit and I went, okay, it's bad. He's defenseless because he's not protecting himself, but that's what happens on a hit like that. So fine. But two to three games would have been enough, I think um, personally, but I mean, he is a repeat offender. So they're probably taking that into continual consideration. And that's why it went up to seven. If he hadn't, done this before or this is the first time in a few years then i would have been like okay well three games like seven's a lot but but if you say three games i go there was a suspension coming there's no doubt about it but i think seven might be a little bit too much yeah and i, I think i think that's simple as is that right if it's just one of those there's a suspension coming for sure you know um i think there's definitely some people looking at the nhl differently with the length of it maybe that's more specifically caps fans for sure well, I mean, the, the one thing is that a lot of people on Twitter before the suspension came down were asking for a 10-game suspension. And I'm yeah, like, a okay. Lot, well, a that's, lot of those people were also Penguins Boston. fans. And they were Boston fans. fans Flyers yeah. fans. I'm just saying, it was, there was a lot. I saw a lot of people mm-hmm. say that. 
So when it came down to seven, I'm like, okay, well, that equates to 10 games in a normal 82-game season, which is still, for some reason, how people are thinking about this season being a normal 82-game season, yeah. where, let's remember, it's not. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. The NHL appeased those people, but is it the right length? It's probably a couple games too long. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, like to me, the reason why I asked her from the question I don't think injury should play a factor in the suspension. I, I think I think it should be aside from the fact because hmm. you know if if somebody gets hit from behind, right, and all of a sudden that person you know is now out and they're injured and they're you know that that suspension immediately goes from two to three games to four to five games because they're purely injured, which mm-hmm. which to me I don't think should be a factor. If it's a dirty play and it deserves two to three games, it should be two to three games. It shouldn't immediately be jumped up because, you know, he got hit from behind and, oh, now he broke his arm or whatever happened because he went into the boards awkwardly after the hit. Yeah. Right? I don't think that should be a factor. I think they should separate those two. Yeah. Um, you know, and if he's a repeat offender, then you can add those couple games on because, you know, he's a repeat offender. He should know better, that kind of stuff. So I think if that's the case, that's when you use the repeat offender aspect. Mm-hmm. compared to oh he's injured let's throw on an extra couple games because he's not going to play that's okay i'm going to i'm going to play a little devil's advocate here Kyle for you on, on the injury thing what about a play like and we're going to have to go back in our memory banks a little bit here boys the Todd Bertuzzi sucker punch on Steve Moore where that resulted in the guy not being able to play hockey again well to be honest he should have been arrested for that so um, that's a whole different story <laughs> Um, but do you think do you think the extent of the injury played a factor into the suspension that he got? Don't forget, Bertuzzi was suspended for what a, a full season and then some. Something like that. Like, do you think that played a factor? Because Steve Moore wasn't allowed to play hockey ever again. That fractured three vertebrae. I don't. But it was more so an assault. Think, I don't think it played a factor. If I'm being honest, okay. Purely because the injury for him was after the suspension, right? For, for for originally it was like one of those like well we'll see if he comes back like that sort of thing and then all of a sudden his injuries truly came out but Pertuzzi was already suspended at that point I, I think I think the reason why Pertuzzi was suspended so long is purely because he literally grabbed the guy's face and threw it in the ice like it's one of those like like that's literally grounds for assault in a sport like it's like I think that was like unprecedented like, like the only other thing I can go back to that's comparatively to is the Marty McSorley uh, slash the face, right? It's like, yeah. like the two hand chop. Like that's really the only thing you can kind of compare it to. And it's one of those. Um, both of those plays are literally you could honestly argue the charges should be filed for those, both of those. So okay, no, so I was just, they went to court to for that Bertuzzi thing for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it got thrown out. Yeah, I nah, still paying them. He's helping them out. No, I, I was just curious, just playing a little devil's advocate on that because like. An injury like that, I feel like, should have a little bit of an impact. But if the guy's out for a couple games, like, I don't think it should play any factor at all. So, well, I so- think this this comes down to – sorry, Kyle, just to add up to your point with that, I think it comes down to the initial player safety not really defining repeat offender properly. Like, I'm reading something on ESPN right now, and it's like, well, the, the Department of Safety doesn't consider a player – uh, repeat offender if he goes 18 months without a suspension but they still factor in the suspensions and fines based on a repeat offender even though they're not a repeat offender so like either either say okay if you haven't been you haven't done anything for a year and a half we're not counting anything before that or if you are going to factor it in just then don't even say that first line 
So I think that's the, yeah, that that's the thing. That's the only reason why, um, like players' suspensions are like. I'm just adding to your point. It's just that there's such a blurred problem. Oh yeah, we knew that. (laughs) Yeah, but like I mean, but like if you talk or you put that in your in your bargaining agreement or you put that into into some contest and you're like that makes zero sense. If you're not going to consider it, why are you still considering when you're finding the person? Yeah. So divide that up, right? Fair enough. I think that might might be the biggest reason why he got seven. All right, let's move on to something more positive, I guess. Uh, Jordan Bennington signed a an, an extension with the St. Louis Blues, six years, thirty six million. So that's a six mil average. Um, has he earned six million a year at this point, Kyle? Uh, you brought them a cup, so I would say so. Okay, but since then, <laughs> he brought them a cup, so I would say so. All right, Irfan, do you want to build on that point? <laughs> I mean, you look at, I'm just pulling it up. You look at every other goaltender making more money than him, right? He has the same amount as uh, Mark Sturm. Hellbuck's making more, Gibson's making more, Rask's making more, Quick, Price, Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky. There's two goaltenders here that have won a Stanley Cup, or three, uh, if you count two guys as a backup. And and, and Bennington has a cup, and he single-handedly brought it to um, that Blues team. So, yeah, I mean, I think they, they they got a bargain deal on him. To be honest with you, I was looking at his next contract, looking at seven million plus. But hey, six million for a goaltender on a competing team—it's a great deal, great deal for the Blues. Yeah. And, and I think I think you can honestly look at Markstrom in the offseason for the reason why he got six million dollars. Mm. Um, to me, I would make the argument that Bennington's a better goaltender than Markstrom right now. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I and he's also younger, right? Like yeah. he's younger too. Like I, I don't understand how he couldn't have been like, give me, give me seven. I've won a cup with you guys. I should be making Tuka Rask plus money. I think the biggest reason why he isn't is purely because of the cap, right? If the cap was going up every year and we knew it was going up every year, I think he probably could have got seven ish million dollars um, on a deal, hundred percent, right? But the biggest mm-hmm. thing is the cap stagnant. Right. We don't know what it's going to look like next year. We think it's going to go up with the new NHL deal, but honestly, who knows what happens? Um, obviously, uh, expansion draft this year, too. More money in flux. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm kind of surprised he signed it now compared to the offseason because um, I think he could have demanded a little bit more depending on how they did. Um, I don't mind the $6 million, to be honest. He was making 4.4 in his previous contract. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him is consistency. He's gone down mm-hmm. since his opening year. That um, was what I was just about to say. All his all his stats have gone down every year that he's been in the NHL. But the biggest thing is he's still better than at least half the boys in, in the league. So, um, And the other thing is they don't, they don't have Jake Allen to fall back on anymore. So he's the go-to guy, right? And Philia Husso is the backup. So it's, it's, he's their guy. And at $6 million, I don't, I don't mind that. So no, fair to steal. Okay. Um, news just dropping now. It looks like Jack Eichel is going to be out for the foreseeable future is what head coach Ralph Kruger says. The Buffalo Sabres just somehow keep getting worse. I didn't think it was possible, but man, you, you now lose the only player on your team who could really be a game changer right now. And Eichel, I'm not saying he has been a game changer this year necessarily because he has what, like two goals or something. Uh, but, yeah. Him Skinner and Hall combined have three goals total. I think they added one this week. I think Hall grabbed a second. 
but two goals right i think but it's just i don't know how they managed to get worse but they managed to get worse (laughs) and there is no i don't see any light at the end of the tunnel right now for i do it's called trade deadline bye-bye but that's not even light at the end of the tunnel that's just relieving the this darkness to go to a different darkness at this point like yeah yeah. removing this darkness to go to something maybe slightly less darker (laughs) did you hear that they're allowing fans and um that no season ticket holders bought a single ticket oh yeah for sabers yeah why would you they're so they, they, they are so bad right now. They were allowing they're allowing like nineteen hundred fans or something like that in the arena, and no season ticket holders bought a ticket. Pay me to come watch your team because you guys can't play. That's what I watch. Two, two for one tickets or something like that. They're legitimately awful though. Like we yeah. talked about Ottawa probably being at the bottom of the league at the beginning of the season, right? Like that was who we assumed would be at the bottom, not because we thought Ottawa was like that bad it's just that they were so young that they were going to be inexperienced and have problems more than anything and, and based on the division they were going to struggle with with the high scoring teams and all right that, and so. i'm right. not saying ottawa's doing well but they're not last yeah buffalo who we thought might maybe compete for a wild card spot at best in their like the fourth spot at best in their division maybe that was a bit of a push but mm-hmm. we thought they would be decent they've looked awful the only the only highlight from this team is the fact that linus olmark has looked good. He's just facing so many shots that it doesn't matter how good he looks, he's giving up goals and they can't score. It's like Mackenzie Blackwood with New Jersey. Exactly. It's the same thing. He's looked great, but he's getting no help whatsoever. It's the exact same thing. And I feel bad for Olmark because he's finally was given the reins. He's playing well and the team still can't score a goddamn goal. Like he's losing so many games by one goal because they can't score a goal. Honor, yeah, they just can't play a full game. Like, I mean, I was watching their Pittsburgh game the other night, and I was like, at this point in time. that too. Like, they can't get out of their zone. They can't do a proper breakout play. It's just like, you guys are an NHL team. What the hell's going on? You have Ristolainen chasing a guy who doesn't have the puck, and you're like, why are you doing that? Just out that way, the other way, go um, that way. <laughs> like, it's just they're they're a mess. And I mean, uh, we said this last week, but look at Calgary and Buffalo being a trade partner in the off season to, to really switch off their stars. If, 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 if it continues. Watch for the LA Kings. Yeah. Kings are Kings, uh, two. two. Kings going after Eichel with Byfield going the other way. I'm not sure how but I then, feel about that. But. They'd have a lot of money though, Kyle tied up to Kopitar, Doughty and, and their goaltender. Kopitar is done in, in three or four years. Quick, honestly, will probably get bought out if not anything else, because um, it looks like Cal Pedersen's the go-to guy right now. Um, but honestly, don't be surprised if LA goes after a goalie instead. Um, the biggest thing for me is I, I look at them as a team who right now is looking a lot better. And I told you to watch out for the Kings this year. You did, um, yeah. I'll give you credit. You did. Um, yeah. They're looking a lot better as a team. And, and to be honest, it's one of those uh, – I think they are a superstar away from being that next team, right? They have Kopitar, and I wouldn't really consider him a superstar by any means, but he's a star 100%. Um, and he's looked great. But to me, you add Eichel into that team, and that brings a young, fresh face to it. And it just 
I think they could go shoot off in that division. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not denying that. They, they also have 8 million in gap space as of right now. Yeah. 100%. So they have some space to play with. And even, even if they bring Eichel in, they only have to move a little bit to get to bring him in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, realistically, uh, if they have $8 million in cap space, like that's not a problem. Like you can, you can figure out something about that. So, no, but that, that is an interesting thought. I'm not sure I like the return necessarily for Buffalo getting just Byfield for Eichel. No, it, it, no it's it not a one for one. No, I, but that, that would be I the know, package. I know what you, know what you yeah. meant, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know. If Byfield is at the level Eichel will is even down the road, I think Byfield. I don't know if Byfield will be as good as Eichel is. To be honest, you're not giving anybody better than Byfield back. I I understand that. I, I get yeah. that. I'm just saying, like, if you're if that's the piece that you're going to try to build your team around, is that the one that you want to build your team around? That was more of the statement that I was trying to make. Right. But regardless, um, Buffalo, it could work. Maybe. <laughs> Quickly, boys. We've got to talk a little NC2A because the tournament is – the selection Sunday's tomorrow, and it looks like three big schools will not make the bracket because of COVID and the fact that two of them played like crap most of the season. Yep. Uh, but COVID is the main reason why they won't make the bracket because they didn't even get to compete in their conference tournaments. Duke, Kansas, and Virginia all most likely – there's a chance that Virginia still makes it in, but – Almost likely done. This is going to be mm-hmm. a weird tournament. I was actually talking to Kellen from uh, on the mic, and I said, if you're a Duke hater, this is probably the worst way for Duke to end a season for you. I know yeah. people don't like Duke, but you want them in the tournament being a one or two seed because when they're a one or two seed in the tournament, 95% of the time they lose in the first two rounds and have that embarrassment on the big stage. And as a Duke hater, that's exactly what you want. As a Duke fan, that is not what you want. So I'm struggling right now. But that's what you want. You don't want them getting a cop-out because of COVID. Yeah. Well, to be honest, as, as a Duke fan, you, you sh- shouldn't be really exactly happy the way the season has gone anyways. But No, I'm, I'm um, saying Duke haters don't no, I know, I know, I know, but I'm saying, like, as a Duke fan, you're almost like, yeah, it's fine. We'll take a year off of this one. Yeah, yeah. We'll oh, come, as we'll a come back fan, next yeah, year. We, we worry, played like but, crap. We knew we uh, weren't going anywhere. So, <laughs> honest, honestly, the, the, the real one is Virginia. I think Virginia, it, it sucks if they will not be able to play. They're 17 and six, right? Yeah. They were a top 25 team, had, had yeah. a real chance of not necessarily going for a long run, but uh, at least going somewhere in the tournament. So, um, I think they were if, number if, one seed in the ACC. Like, and I, and I honestly, it's one of those like, if they truly cannot go, um, I think it's disappointing in that aspect. Is obviously, it, it's very similar to any other sports where you want the best teams in the playoffs, right? This is this is the March Madness. That's the college. Fo- that's college fo- uh, basketball playoffs. Like, you want the best teams available. You want the best possible games, and um, I think Virginia being in there would make that. You know, uh, Duke. They've they've been better recently. Yeah, they played better down the stretch, but not good enough. Hundred percent. And then it's just it's one of those. It's it comes back to this whole the COVID thing. It's just it's disappointing and it's um it's just it's just bad. And Hmm. yeah, I don't know what else to say. 
Irfan? Um, I mean, it's disappointing as a Duke fan not seeing them in a in a in March Madness. But I mean, you look at the year; they were thirteen and eleven, right? So it wasn't a great year. They probably wouldn't have made it, um, anyways. Or if they would have made it, they would have been a very low seed and struggled. I mean, this was a younger team um, than previous years, less experienced, and and I think Coach K even came out and said that that we're going to struggle this year. Um, so I'm not surprised that they're not in March Madness. I'm disappointed that it's because of covid but um i don't think their play this season really helped their case in making march madness i mean obviously the jayhawks not being in there another big school and then virginia because of covid so i hate the fact that it's because of covid but you know it's going to happen and we're going to see teams like maybe baylor surprise people we're going to see michigan surprise people we might see zega surprise people this year and and sort of like be the new champions uh, instead of like the three I mean, main I wouldn't schools. necessarily call that a surprise. Like Zag has been solid for the last. Well, they've been great, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, but I meant in the sense that you're not talking about Virginia or, or uh, yeah. Carolina, or you're not talking about Duke or the Jayhawks um, being the top four. You're talking like Zaga's alone <laughs> right now. And then you got Baylor, bless you. You got Baylor and then you got, you know, other pretty decent teams. So it's a, it's a different field, which is something that we're going to see in sports. I think in the next couple of years is different fields, different competitive teams. It's just, I don't like that. It's because of COVID. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. To your point, I think Baylor's the biggest surprise there. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, the, the big, the big disappointment out of the three, obviously is, uh, Kansas and Virginia. Cause they were both top 20 teams, yeah. uh, going into their respective tournaments and, they might not be able to play, which is unfortunate. They have a very, very tight window. There's a chance that they could still get in and play their games, but the first round starts Thursday and Friday. That's a tight window to get everybody saved. So, it's, well, would they even be allowed to be picked? Yeah, they. W- that's the thing. Like, if they haven't had a positive test since the last one, there's a chance that they can get picked. But do you does the NC2A want to take that risk? That's what I'm saying. So, like, I, at that point, and if they do have a, a positive test on Monday or whatever it may be, or to Tuesday, whatever, um, do they have a backup team that they immediately call, and then they have to reshuffle all the numbers? Well, that's cause... that's what I'm wondering because neither of them neither of them would have won their tournament, so they mm-hmm. would be at large bids. So, do they put them in those first four games on Wednesday and have a backup team for both of them? That's right? that's, like that's, that's 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 like other having Virginia as a play-in team. It's well, like, they have they, but they kind of have to. Yeah, but number one in ACC and with a seventeen and six record, I don't really think you can have them as a play-in team. I I get what you're saying, but like like to me to me it would make the game useless. Like if no. if they if they're if they're a play-in team, I'm not watching that game because they're walking through that team that plays. Unless they play Kansas. Even then, they're still probably walking through that game. Kansas had a better record. I still think Virginia is a way better team, though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh. That's like saying the Leafs, means that's nothing like saying in this like tournament. The right now are, are the greatest team. Like, no, they have their flaws right now. They're just playing in a shit division. <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> um, listen, the standings mean nothing once the March Madness starts. Like, this, even if you're first, um, we've seen like. Taco, a Taco Falls team, the Florida team, um, two years ago, like they came out and what the hell did they do? They just beat some teams and you're like, wait, what? Um, so you're going to have a surprise team. They're, 
this is a tournament for underdogs to perform. This is so. this is the year for the surprise team. Let's be honest. Yes. Was Taco is UCF, right? Yeah. Wasn't he a Florida based team? Yeah. yeah. University yeah. of Florida State. Yeah. Florida. No, 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 not Florida yeah. State. You University of Central Florida Golden ah, Knights. Sorry. Is it that one? <laughs> I all I remember there was gold and, and, and black kits. That's what I remember. Yeah. And then him being seven foot, whatever, going. I'll just get everything. That was great. That was a great. I'm gonna gear. grab a rebound, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna dunk, guys. I'm gonna grab a rebound, guys. Here's a pass, guys. <laughs> all right. Well, we I think we're all excited for the tournament, even though it won't be a normal tournament. Um, we'll see. We'll see if Kansas and Virginia get in. I guess that's that's tomorrow. That'll be interesting. We'll definitely check out Kellen uh, on the mic uh, because I'm sure he is going to have a massive breakdown this week on <laughs> what the heck is going to happen. Uh, that's, the, that's it, boys. Let's get to tire fires quickly. We had a super tie, so we're going to just start fresh. Each of us. Is this one, super tie? Yeah, they were all tied. All four were tied. Oh, nice. So we can't, even, we can't even determine who won. So we're just going to start fresh. They all lost. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, Irfan, you don't get back-to-back wins. Duh. It's okay. Duh. He says, duh. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we'll let you start because you're still the reigning champ, I guess. Sure. Um, tire fire is Juventus, I think. Um, just struggling to to break down Porto this week. I mean, obviously, full credit to to the per- Portuguese champs there. Um, just because of their ability to defend, even with 10 men, like I thought their defensive work in both legs was amazing. Like Pepe at 38, his defensive partner, um, that midfield, they were just running. They were playing well. They were shutting them down. Um but disappointment for Juve. This is the third year that um, Ronaldo's been there uh, to try and change their their Champions League luck, and they've lost to Ajax, Lyon, and now Porto in three straight years. So uh, disappointment coming out of the old lady. Um, whether that is because of Ronaldo, that remains to be seen. But, I mean, they've had three systems in those three years with three different head coaches, so that might also play a, a, a massive case. Um, but, um, yeah, Juve's in my tire fire. The old lady can't win, unfortunately. Hopefully he can't win. That's a good one. And the funny part about that game this week for Juve Porto is Porto lost, drew, and won all in the same match. Because mm-hmm. they lost the match, they tied on goals, but they won the draw. They won the draw yeah, because it's ridiculous. Of away goals. How do you explain that to someone who isn't a soccer fan and doesn't understand the whole draw thing? Like that is yeah. that is a lot of information to explain to someone. I made money on Juventus winning, so I'm good. There you go. Good for you. Oh, you just bet on the game. You didn't bet on the tie. You, yeah. yeah, you 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 can't you can't bet on like the actual like outcome of the draw. You, you can't you can before the draw starts. I'm pretty uh, sure. I don't. Know. I I'm pretty sure you can. Um, Kyle, hit us up with yours. Racism in the G League. Um, obviously, this is going back to the Jeremy Lin being called coronavirus by a player on the court um, and the blatant disrespect that he has faced. Um, to me, and it goes back to when we had the, the, the you know, the soccer talk you know, months ago where um, all the racism that was going on with that, right? And it's just one of those, there's no place for it and, and, and people are stuck in their ways, but it's just, there's still no place for it in today's game. And it's just one of those like, it's disappointing to see because, you know, 
it's you know at certain points it seems like everybody's taking strides forward and you know we're getting passes we're we're we're, we're making great strides towards you know everybody being basically on the same plane and mm-hmm. then we take a step back like this and someone and, jumps and, and exactly and it's it's just one of those like it's 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 two steps forward or it's one step forward two steps back is what it seems like and it's just like never ending and it's it's honestly just disappointing and and you know I feel for Jeremy Lin because it, it's terrible. It's just one of those it, – there's just no place for it. I agree. Jeremy Lin's handled it very well, by the way. 100%. Like, and I think – I also think the G League's handling it pretty well after the math. Yep. They're not necessarily outing the player just yet because they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. They're taking it by step, step by step. I hope the name comes out because I think that needs to be announced so that we they can – They won't. Really they won't. I don't think so, but – no, Jeremy Lin already said he's not going. He's not letting release the release the name. So Jeremy, okay. Well, you know what? Then that's that's his decision, and I, I'm actually okay with that. Then I just, if as a league, you'd want to sort of stamp it out. But if Jeremy Lin's the one who says no, I don't want, I don't want it to be said. Then hey, more power to him. Yeah. I have no problem. Well, there's a difference between smack talking, <laughs> saying your defense sucks, versus dropping a racial slur. That's the biggest difference here, and I don't yeah. think players are understanding that line. Um, and like Kyle said, I think it's it's one step forward and five steps back. It's not even two steps anymore. It's taking five massive steps in the other direction. That, and that, that needs to be out of the game. Um, so, yep. Yep. Um, I'm going to transition to another basketball story. And uh, unfortunately, I have to go with the Houston Rockets just as a tire fire in general. Like 15 straight losses. Mm-hmm. And like not even close in most of those games. They're they're not even coming close to winning a game. How do you go from a team that was above 500 to not even being a thought in the Western Conference? This was a team that was supposed to be a playoff contender at one point. And now they can't even win a game. This is awful. And they deserve to be in the tire fire conversation, just like probably the Buffalo Sabres deserve to be in the tire fire conversation every week. Because they just somehow seem to be getting worse every week. Yep. So, all right, let's get out of here. Final thoughts. Kyle, you start us off. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited for March Madness. Definitely more betting opportunities. Uh, Chelsea sucks as a football club. Uh, <laughs> one draw to today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, drew to leads today. That's it. Um, you mean so from a betting side, right? Like they've actually been playing pretty well. Yeah, I literally had I, I put it, took it on the podcast. It's like their money line today. Man, brick. Um, <laughs> brick. Honestly, and my final thought is, I really hope these NBA players stop getting injured because I want to see the full teams. Yeah. actually play like Embiid literally almost broke his knee last night um obviously got injured but avoided major injury because like to me like if Embiid were to go down there Sixers are bye-bye in trouble um so you know Anthony Davis being out like that kind of stuff like to me I, I want to see the players healthy and I want to see the best squads out there so I really hope that you know they correct this and stay on the court so yeah or fun um my final thought women's champions league uh quarterfinal legs are 
are sort of drawn. I mean, there's one team that's to be decided, and I think that depends on what happens in the PSG game. But uh, two very interesting matchups, uh, Barcelona against City um, and Chelsea versus Wolfsburg with Pernille Harder facing her former team. I think those ties are going to be so nice. Um, so yeah, uh, first leg is starts March 24th. So in a couple of weeks, so yeah, super excited for those. Cool. I like it. Uh, my final thought is it's a great time to be a sports fan. Like it really is. <laughs> we talked about it off the top of the show, March madness, both men's and women's don't forget the women's tournament is going to be very entertaining this year too. I know UConn is killing it, but there's also they've lost to Arkansas once this year already. There's a lot that could happen this this tournament on both sides of uh, the brackets. You got NBA and NHL in full swing. You get the NFL offseason. It's just fun. <laughs> I'm loving it right now. I don't know about you guys, but I'm loving it. Absolutely. March is fun every year. And it's different this year because we still have all the trade deadlines and everything, but it's fun. Mm. <laughs> So that'll do it for us here. Make sure you check out our website, garagedoorsports.com for more information on us. If you want to follow the podcast, it's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Kyle Vardy, at Irfan Manji, and at Nick McVicker for the three of us respectively. We will be back next week. I will be in a new studio. You guys won't, but I will be in a new studio as of next week. So that'll be interesting to see how that all comes together. But for everyone watching or listening, thank you. And we will see you next time.